It's about the connectivity. It's about those things that we talked about. It's about how do you harness the facilitation of work? Because that's something that can spread online way quicker than it can just person to person. That's where the social part can come in. That's where you can get better understanding of the kind of people that you're looking for. Welcome to the Making a Marketer podcast, the show for all levels of experience with the best guests in the industry. Now, more than ever, it's important to keep up on the latest marketing trends and topics, and this is just the spot. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Megan Powers with Powers of Marketing and Jen Cole with Now Marketing Group. Here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 76 of the Making a Marketer podcast. I'm Megan Powers, and I am with Powers Marketing, who is currently the sponsor of this show. Um, We empower small to medium-sized businesses with strategic marketing, communication, and execution. All right, so for the last 75 episodes, we've mostly talked strategies and tactics for marketers. But after hearing Mr. Gary J. Nick's on Clubhouse. Over the last several weeks, particularly last Clubhouse we were in together, I thought, oh, we need to get a little philosophical, maybe a little sociological, probably more than philosophical. So I want to talk about the impact and kind of the sociology involved and with how we communicate or are communicated to via digital media these days. Welcome, Gary, to the show. Thank you so much, uh, Megan. You know, our, our conversations that we had on Clubhouse were just so amazing. Everyone who was involved in that. And I'm excited to do this after this too, but I really think that this conversation is one that needs to be had more because of the industry that we're in and the access and actual powers that we have. Yeah. Well, I think that as marketers, we kind of just get focused on the brand and the this and the that and the selling the things and the services. And I think forgetting maybe that we have a hand in how things are perceived in the media and in communication in particular. And we'll get in a little bit to the fact that we are the media also. So that's kind of a deeper thing, right? You hear hear media and you think news outlets, you know, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, whatever. So, all right, I'm going to read your bio here. Gary J. Nix, a.k.a. OK47. And I had in my notes first tell us what's the deal. And thank you to John Clunan, who says... Very pleased to see Gary interviewed. Me too. All right. What's the deal with OK47? (laughs) For those who wonder, that's on your Twitter handle. Yeah. So I usually have somewhat interesting things in my Twitter display name. This one, it does look cryptic to some, but it's really just in celebration of my 47th birthday. Okay. (laughs) I saw that and I was like, he's a DJ. He's a, you know, what is that? Okay, cool. All right. Gary J. Nix is an award-winning brand strategist who earned his stripes as a disruptor, innovator, and predictor in the entertainment, magazine publishing, and marketing industries known for merging traditional marketing principles with modern techniques. His expertise and distinct point of view in the space has positioned him as a sought-after source in the advertising trades, a guest lecturer, and a subject matter expert on ethics, culture, and community as a business necessity. Now, that for me is like, boom, I'm all about that community, 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 so important. And I mean, everything we do online is about building community, whether you realize it or not, right? At least it should be. That's one of the things about our industry. There's things that we sometimes say, but we sometimes don't follow. So we have to make sure that we're actually following what we say and say the right things. 
the right things. Oh, that's an interesting, because what's right, right? And I met you on Clubhouse. We've kind of created this little, our own little community, right? With Troy's um, strategy mm -hmm. hackers room, some really cool small rooms. And for those who are have just come on or didn't, didn't hear it before, we are going to do an after chat on Clubhouse. So following this, this should be about 30 minutes. I actually have a feeling we're going to go over. And then the clubhouse room starts at a quarter before the hour. So I won't say what hour because I don't know where y'all live. <laughs> and he and I are on different codes. So I got my master's in uh, communication and leadership studies. And within that, it was really interesting to me. But strangely, the most interesting part about it was all the theories, all the different communication theories, and that a lot of these theorists are still alive which I was like, oh, because, you know, I just kind of, you know, you grow up and you learn stuff in school and you think those people aren't still around, right? And I got the opportunity actually to like, meet the theorist that I was kind of trying to prove wrong with my thesis. I met him before I wrote my thesis and then I saw him after. And his theory in a nutshell is that anything can be done online that can be done offline. It just takes longer. Anything, like anything at all. And I had breakfast with him and he was like a three-year-old. Why? 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 With everything I said, I was like, because you don't know, because this wouldn't happen. How do you know? How do you know? How do you know? I'm like, ah, I'm going to prove it. Right. And anyway, <laughs> that's there's obviously a longer story there. But I find it really interesting in the time that we're in now. Right. Like in this past year, what interesting studies can come out of this pandemic and the fact that we have all, in fact, <laughs> just been online and not been face to face. And have we been able to accomplish, you haven't been able to hug anyone or shake their hand, but we have been able to accomplish a lot. I just want to start with that by saying like, it's not all doom and gloom. There's been a lot of good that has come out of this past year, but really what we're talking about in terms of communication challenges is more than, it's bigger than that, right? It's like the past five years, it's the past, it's, well, it's for all time, really. Anyway, so I just kind of want to set it up with that. That was kind of part of what was in my head. I can't wait for the studies that are going to come out of the National Communication Association for all, not just through the pandemic, but through the last five years, right? Through the Trump era and whatnot. So I want to start with breaking down these three words real quick. Social, media, marketing. They mean very different things to different people. In fact, I got in an online discussion with Ted Rubin. I don't know if you know who he is a few years back. And he thought that media should be taken out. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because also I had in my head the what I'd learned in school in my in my master's program, which was recently, right? I just graduated in 2014. The medium is the message. And so he and I kind of little had a little back and forth. So what do you think? If you take out the word media, social marketing, is it the same thing? Or what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's not going to be the same exact thing, right? So if you break down the three words, you have social, which is something that's just um, necessary for human beings to connect, right? There's that part. You have marketing, which is... If you go back to old school marketing, it's all about figuring out exactly who it is that you're trying to reach. Now, the word media, I can see why there may be some questions around that because of the way the word media is used, right? So if you take it back to the like basically original definition and you're talking about the medium is the message, it totally belongs. If you talk about media and how that's viewed in terms of businesses. And you're talking about like news and magazines, and then there are places where those things can go and places where maybe they shouldn't be. And then if you take the advertising definition of media and it's just pushing messages at you, that's where it become a problem. And I think that last definition is how a lot of brands are using the social space and why they're not finding 
as much success as they ultimately want, even if they are finding some success or they're just enough success. But just pushing messages the way that we used to when we didn't have these avenues, the digital space, like these social platforms, it doesn't work the same way. It doesn't have the same effect. Your feedback loop is completely different when you have the Facebooks, the Twitters, the Instagrams, even the LinkedIn's of the world, right? So that's where things can break down. And that's where when things are starting to break down, you need to start rethinking how to do these things. It's not just a continuation of doing the old thing and trying to make it work. It's figuring how to make something work, right? The old school principle is connect with someone, communicate with them. The technique has to be different. So kind of like that's that little bit of a switch when it comes from basic principles to new techniques. That's a lot of the area where people who are in business and trying to market, advertise, and promote products and services, that's the area where they're losing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and it is, as you say, the two-way, you know, that feedback loop, their opportunity for two-way communication, which was never possible before. I mean, other than like radio where someone could call in if you had a sponsor or something, but otherwise I can't really think of anything. Right. And then there's also the speed with the feedback as well. Right. Right. So it's not just the fact that you can. Anyone could have written a letter to product A, service B. Right. But you weren't likely to get a mobilization of voices and messages around your product or service at this speed. And it's not even just a two way part. It's you should expect to hear something. What you should be trying to do is serve a product or service and hear nice things. That should be part of your goal to hear a bunch of nice things back. Right. Now, that's not always the case, but that's okay, Right. Because the things that go wrong, if you listen Another opportunity right there is to fix the thing, you know, listen to what the complaint or comment was, see if there's room to be like, you know what, this point that they made here, it's a good point. Or everything they said was a good point. Potentially nothing they said was a good point. I mean, there's the possibility for that as well, but you still have to listen so that you can really gauge what's being said and identify where there's a place for you to improve. Yeah, engaging in the conversation is important and not posting and ghosting, as they say. And Jen's boss, Jessica, has a saying, you know, don't be a bullhorn, be a magnet, not a bullhorn. Like, don't just, you know, be broadcasting out. So yeah, I think that's important for brands as much as it is in leadership, right? To listen and even if you don't agree, to show appreciation for what's been said. Now, (laughs) that's not including trolls and those people who are really out there just to, you can tell they're just trying to hurt your brand or whatever it is, you know, that they're trying to do. So, okay, cool. All right. So we got a little deep, but now we're going to get deeper down the the rabbit hole. So there's no question the last five years or so, as I said, has shown us, or maybe it's amplified for us, the good and the bad in the way that things are being communicated digitally. I suppose. Everyone has a voice. Everyone has a voice, right? So when false information is really pervasive, do you think it diminishes the overall value of digital communication? I think that overall, the total value of communication does take a hit. But one thing that we have to realize is that even though we often absorb all the communication, we're not necessarily there for all the communication, right? And If we can more easily find the communication that we are actually there for, a lot of the stuff that is harmful tends to fall by the wayside. The other part is that when you're there for the information that you actually want and 
for the purpose of this conversation, let's keep it to the brands out there, those who are um, delivering products and services. The more you do to get trust from those who you're trying to connect with and communicate with, the better the value of that communication is. When it comes to what we're trying to do as businesses to connect, there may be times where we have to take some sort of stand on something that's going on in the world because we're all citizens of said world, right? And you're going to have feelings about certain things. You should have feelings about certain things because you're a human being. But the more you can do to show that you share the same values as those who you're trying to connect with, the more that particular communication has value. You have to control what you can control. You can't control everything that happens around you, but you can control more of what happens with you. And those things that are outside of you, but do affect you, you do have to pay attention to that, to that stuff. And you can't control exactly what happens, but you can say, here's how we stand on this. And if you can show that you stand on that the exact way you said you do, those who heard you, they will believe you. And if you have that shared value system, they're more likely to stay. And that's what you should be trying to do. And that's easier as individuals, right, than as brands in some ways? Um, I mean, maybe logistically. Okay. But, you know, personally, I think if it comes to stuff like human rights, that's something we should all be on the same page with. <laughs> you know, there's certain things that just for the betterment of individuals being able to live their lives and, you know, just not bother anybody, not try to hurt anybody. Those are things that we should agree with. We should all agree on. History has shown us that that's not necessarily the case. However, once again, this is one of the things that sets you aside from others. If you can come to an agreement on certain things, the things that matter to those who are who you're trying to connect with, their customers, they're part of the community, they are potential customers, the people who are going to find out, you know, finding out about what it is that you have, shared value system. That means a lot. And it will mean a lot to your bottom line, ultimately. So you have For to figure sure. out where you take a stand and where you actually deliver on that stand. And then what you're going to say about it. Because once again, we're not trying to sell to everybody. And the reason for that is because you cannot sell to everybody. So part of what your brand is, is a system of values that you have to stand on. So if that's clear, then you know the kind of people who you're trying to deal with. And anyone else who does not agree with that, they kind of get put in that troll uh, circle. And that's fine. It is what it is because you're not speaking to them. You're speaking to someone else. Right. That's fair. Yeah. John Clunan said, showing your stand is one of the most important pieces of this. Brands need to avoid performative activism. I 100% agree with that. I'm guessing you do too, Gary, based on what you just said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, for real. I think a part of it too, right, is just that it's just coming at us. Like if you let, if you, if you're there for it, like if you, you know, I look to see what's trending on Twitter, like yesterday, I don't know if you saw Helen Keller was trending on Twitter yesterday. And I was like, what is happening? And one of the first tweets I saw was, do yourself a favor and don't learn why Helen Keller is trending right now. But of course I did. And really there's like people out there who think that she wasn't real. And so I just thought, I, I pulled this tweet in response to that, which I just thought was gold. Helen Keller wasn't real. The earth is flat. The moon landing wasn't real. COVID-19 isn't real. The election was stolen or Americans are getting dumber via the internet. <laughs> but that goes to the point of like, I, it's just amplifying it, right? Like these people, it's not like they didn't have these opinions before. 
they probably had them and now they have a they have a megaphone, right? They have this way to to get it out there and to like and to feed on all the you know people who are their people to and and to be let's be honest, I think a lot of trolls like to fight. So you know if, if you try to say something, I try not to feed the trolls, right? Like yep. because it's just it's going to go nowhere fast. So how do you think we get around people not? being able to count on the, the validity of the things that they see in the media, because you do then have that section of people who are, let's call them innocent bystanders. Let's call them people who are just like easily swayed, right? Because I, I know plenty of smart people who have started to believe some things in the past few years. And I just scratch my head, like how, but people are, can be easily influenced. So especially now that every human is considered media, right? What are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, that's definitely a multi-layered, extremely difficult problem to solve because you're dealing with people on a lot of different levels. Um, some of the people who would be deemed innocent bystanders may have not been that innocent in the first place. They may have just been too afraid to say the things that were being shared, and now they've found community in that. No, there's kind of no grading system on media or no widespread grading system on what fits in media, under entertainment, under news, under opinion, all those things have been kind of melded together. You know, there are more places that are deemed fact, not all of which are actually fact. And another part of it is the feeding of the trolls. You know, the trolls are there. They're not even usually there to make their point. A lot of times they're just there to, to argue, you know. Those that are trying to make their point, that could be a different thing. Those are uh, people who have an agenda, whether it's an agenda based on truth or not. No, that's, that's a different <laughs> right. thing. But there are certain things that you should be able to see and understand what you're. I'm someone who does ask a lot of questions. I'm someone who does try to investigate to see what is true and what is not. So it's not even so much about having the questions. Having questions is fine. It's more so about knowing what is true and one, knowing the sources, the right places to go for the actual sources. You know, there's so many parts because there have to be enough people out there also to challenge the actual lie, right? One thing that I think has happened for too long is people who are like, no, this is obviously true. And I'm not saying to go and have a conversation with every single person who is telling you things that you know to be true or not. That's not what I'm saying, because that can be entirely too much. There's some people who enjoy doing that or they're good at it, and that's fine. I'm not one of them. I don't have that kind of patience. <laughs> but, you know, it, there has to be more sourcing and everyone, in order for it to be solved, everybody has to help, right? So all the channels have to help. The internet itself has to help, right? There's, there has to be some level of responsibility placed on the channels. There has to be some level of responsibility placed on the internet itself and, you know, the sites and more places, more individual places, more individual businesses also have to do better. You know, there's the whole idea that a lot of the stuff that we talk about now is politics. It's not politics. It's things that have been politicized, right? Mm -hmm. So there's so many different things in different parts, which makes it more difficult. However, most of the time, the actual majority of people land on the right side. And when that happens, there has to be willingness on both sides. Because it's the problem with the people who are on one side who don't really want to talk they just want to you know kind of just double and triple down on what is it that they're saying and then there's there's some people who just don't want to deal with that part <laughs> you know it's like talking to a, screaming at a brick wall who wants to do that but the people in the middle those people 
if they can have more conversations, I think that more realization of truth can take place. And that's going to take a long time because it's a lot of different levels of communication online, especially because what's happening is the mimicry of relationships and the mimicry of, of friendships. And it's not an actual friendship most of the time. You know, are you putting in enough time where you have those conversations where even if you don't meet someone face to face, you can actually call them a friend because the two of you or the three of you or whatever number of you there are, are having real conversations where there can be disagreements or different sides that are presented and you can come out of that conversation still okay or even better afterwards. Those don't seem, those things don't tend to happen in the timeline, right? Right. Because those are the kind of conversations that need to have more so one-on-one or just within that group and not with other people jumping in to even with good intention, still mess things up because they're coming in and don't have the full context and all types of other things that can go wrong. Right. So there's, there's so many levels of the relationship part. Those need to kind of get fixed before you can get to all the truths. Yeah, I think that what you say make, is so interesting. It makes me think about what's happening on Clubhouse. You know, I think that people are, and I'm not spending enough time on there personally, but when I hear, when I'm in rooms and I can hear, I can tell, like, these people did not know each other two months ago, but now they're moderating rooms together and they are, they are genuinely, and they might not agree with each other all the time, like you say, but they're having civil conversation just super important. And let me see, put up John says, difficult to have a conversation with folks who live in alternate realities. True. Yeah. And to John, yeah. yeah, to John's point, with along with what you said, you have to have that base. There has to be reality yeah. before you can have that kind of conversation. Alternate realities, you can't have a real conversation because you're not even on the same ground. Right. For so sure. there has to be some level of common ground, not just we follow each other or we're both on the same platform. Like actual common ground has to be there. Right. For sure. Okay. We're almost like at time. So I have two more questions for you. Um, well, two and a half, and then we'll take a you know quick break and then head over to Clubhouse. And for those of you listening on the replay or listening to the podcast or watching the replay on any of the platforms that were on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Periscope today, did I catch them all? Yeah, I think so. And so uh, I'm using Restream to broadcast today, which is my first time using Restream. And uh, so we had the opportunity to go to some different platforms. So we are. So hopefully we get some new listeners. And um, if you want to join us, if you're, you know, in real time, if you're able to join us on Clubhouse, we would love that. So actually, we kind of already talked about trust and truth, right? So I'm going to skip that one. Let's just talk for a minute if we can. And if we're not, we can continue it on Clubhouse about how a lot of companies have built their kingdoms on Facebook or in Facebook. I, you know, they like to say on, but I'm like, oh, you're in like you're in it when you're like all these. And I when I worked for Social Media Examiner, the vitriol that I saw of people getting their, you know, because of ads, getting their accounts taken down and that, you know, and they're just like, they have all their eggs in that Facebook basket. Do you think brands or clients are growing more or less confident in the ability to use social media to promote their, their products, brands and services? And I know that the whole other element is don't just put all your eggs in one basket, right? Get email, have a website, do all those like baseline things that we as good marketers know we should be doing. But you know, what, what do you think about confidence? based on all this stuff that we've been talking about? So I don't think anyone ever really, well, let me not say anyone. I don't think the industry ever had true confidence in social media. And the reason for that is because they didn't go into it looking at it that way. They saw, oh, 
there are tens of millions or hundreds of millions or billions of people on this platform, how can we get our message to them? And that's all they thought. So they ended up building houses on rented land. Right. Especially in the beginning, because organic was like, was a real thing. And you, you know, everyone was all in. And then it was like, well, you got to pay to play now. And everything started to change and everyone got mad. And it's like, well, we live in a capitalist society. Like it was bound to happen. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) That's okay. But the funny thing is, and the thing that a lot of people, or I've heard a lot of conversations about is a lot of the advertisers had a lot to do to Facebook going completely pay to play. Interesting. Because they would not listen to the rules. And once again, they went there not to connect with people. They went there to say, buy my stuff. And Facebook was like, hey, you can't say that without giving us somebody. You can talk to people. You can connect with them. You can even have these messages with a little bit of text on there. Not too much, but you can do those things. Yeah, okay, okay. Buy our stuff, buy our stuff, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. No, you can't do Buy our stuff, buy our stuff. Okay, you know what? No more. So (laughs) they got mad when they got their hands slapped, a lot of them. And this is not to absolve Facebook from anything either. But when you go to social media and treat it as media instead of as social, then all you can do is use it as media. And there's still potential value in that because if you want to go old school media, as many eyes as possible, get in front of people, people see it six times, all that stuff, you can still do that. But treat it like that. Don't treat it like what you can get out of from actual social activity because it's not the same. Right. So a lot of it is the perspective shift of understanding what you're there for, what you can do, and how it can affect your bottom line. And with everyone racing to make money, which is important, they're not understanding how to make money nowadays. It was easier when you could just shout down from the mountaintop at everybody and every once in a while, maybe hear a stray word here and there, then when you have to be on two feet, on ground, in front of millions and millions of people trying to tell them something while they're having conversations, while some of them just don't like you because you exist, while there's some people who do hear, like you, but they can't hear you or they can't see you yet. Right. That's where the social part can come in. That's where you can get better understanding of the kind of people that you're looking for. Because the other thing is, Yeah, we have targeting, but who are you actually looking for? Some of those targeted demographics can fit in who you want. But we should be, because we have the ability to be past simple demographics now. We still work off of them, but that's what we used to only have. Now we know more things, and now we're able to craft messages to the people who either we know like our product, specifically for them, no matter what their age is, no matter what their gender is, no matter what their races, no matter where they are, and those like them, instead of trying to just shout a message to everyone that will stick with a chosen few. Right. It's about the connectivity. It's about those things that we've talked about. It's about how do you harness the facilitation of word of mouth, right? Because that's something that can spread online way quicker than it can just person to person. For sure. You know, brands say, that, well, not all of them, but there were many times where it was like, well, no one's loyal to brands anymore. What have you done for them to be loyal to you? Right. Well, people and are asking community. for more, people are expecting more, and you, and you right. need to do more. 
For sure. And I think that's community comes into play there too, right? Like if, if you build a community and you provide this place where you're giving and not just trying to take, right? Not just trying to sell, but it's a give and take. Then I think that those mm-hmm. are the brands that are winning, that are, you know, taking it a step further than just trying to make a buck. Okay. I have one final question. And again, please join us over on Clubhouse if you are here for the live um, and can do that or watch the replay in the next 10 or 20 minutes. I am asking our guests if they have a business book that they can recommend. And so I want that from you, but I'm really quick going to share because I haven't shared one in a little while. It's funny because I I heard someone say recently that someone evented relationship marketing. And I was like, "Mm, I don't really think that that's, uh, I think that was kind of already a thing. Also, someone else has been attributed to this return on relationships thing. But I first read it 11 years ago in Tommy Spaulding's book, It's Not Just Who You Know. Have you read this book, Gary? That one I have not read. It's so good. It's so good. So I'm just going to real quick. It's as you go about building relationships, you have a choice. You can hold them tightly and reap the benefits that naturally flow from sharing life with other people. Or you can add a shared vision and watch as each relationship multiplies in power and impact. And the latter, my friends, ultimately will change the world. I love this book. Tommy Spaulding, it's not just who you know, it's all about, obviously he tells great stories about how just being kind to people and engaging people in conversation and building relationships can really change change your world. So what's your book? Give me one second because I'm going to actually get them because I like the visual part. Okay. <laughs> Visuals. The first one is The Invincible Company. Okay. This is really about like evolution and understanding not only how your company is evolving, but the world around you and change by design. By Tim Brown. Okay. And this is another book really about design thinking and design thinking from the standpoint of how you're building whatever it is for the people that you're building it for. And not just from a spec standpoint, but from the experience standpoint and how that experience can maybe evolve. You know, especially now, we should understand with how things, how fast things are changing, that we also need to evolve. We also need to figure out what the next step is. So we have to listen, we need to test, we need to try different things that make sense with what we're doing and, you know, not getting too far afield to confuse uh, the communities that we either built or found, but right. doing it for them. You know, so those are two books that I would suggest today. I love that. I'll make sure to include those in the show notes. So I want to thank those of you who were here on the live and who are listening to the replay once again. I obviously we just scratched the surface. This should have been um, a longer show, but we can do a part two. Right. We'll have Gary back and we can get um, Jen, get Jen in on that conversation. So if you are on Clubhouse, head over to Clubhouse. We'll be starting that room in about five minutes. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. And I really appreciate you being with us here, Gary. Thank you. I had a pleasure being here, Megan. All right. This has been episode 76 of the Making a Marketer podcast, and we will catch you next time.